0: Here we go. go. At our church, Jesus is Lord. That single belief calls us together as a community and sends us into our world with hope and purpose. At our church, your past will never define your future. There's always redemption, which means there's always a brighter day. At our church, we don't think we're better than any other church out there. We're just doing our best to become our best. At our church, we want you to believe in God, but we also want you to know that God believes in you. We are not against people who don't attend church anywhere. Instead, we pursue them with love, the very same love that's pursuing us. At our church, we're learning to serve God with all our hearts, and we're learning to worship Him with all our lives. And if you're looking for the perfect church, we're not it. At our church, we will make mistakes, but we will choose to grow from them. It's not really our church at all, it's His. And we live and move and breathe in His church for His glory and His fame, not ours. So here's the invitation. You're invited to jump in with your whole heart at your own pace and to experience the life that awaits you in Christ. Friends, this is gonna be good. Welcome Welcome to our church.
1: Raise the praise, put your hands together. is there one thing in your life you got something to celebrate someone say amen pastor mm. then that's what it's all about when you come into the house of the lord this is the time to give thanks to god for his goodness his greatness for who he is for all that he desires to do in us and through us he's a good god amen and he's more than that look at your neighbor say he's more than that now i don't know about you But I'm ready to just see what God's gonna do in us and through us. We've got a lot going on today. Today we're taking a moment to celebrate 93 years. A lot of changes and a lot of things, but you know, some of you look wonderful for 93 years old. You look marvelous, as I tell you. We're gonna go before the Lord, we're gonna praise Him. You look wonderful for 93. One, yeah. And I just want you to let you know, man, when we come into this place, let's just get our eyes and our hearts on God and the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit wants to do wonderful things in us and through us and around us. Let's really understand who God is. Let's be jubilant, because why? Do we have a reason to be jubilant? Because he's done it all. Can you give us some praise in the house of the Lord? Hallelujah. Let's be over before Father. Let's remind ourselves of his goodness, his greatness, and who he is. Father... We are so grateful. We're grateful for those who are online. Father, we are grateful for all that you have done. All those are here. Lord, will you just draw our hearts ever so close to you. You are Lord of all. And so, Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would now minister to us as we enter in. Forget about everything else. And as we give you praise, we raise the praise the honor your name. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Let's give them some praise in the house of the Lord. All right. I'm going to call up Mark Henderson for a moment. And um, how many of you raise your hand if you remember Mark and you are you want to date yourself? Mark was born in 1806. It feels like it. So um, so um, just I think it was Thursday. Um, Mark and his wife, and then Walt, uh, his dad, and Bobby, his wife. Um, they were here just checking out the church. They were here in what year?
2: I started here in 1974.
1: 1974. And so he was so excited. And, and since we're kind of reflecting a little bit about what God has done in the 93 years that, that the church has been functioning, I said, listen, take a moment and share a little bit about how this church has you know, made a difference in you and some of the things that you went through here. He had hair when he was here. And I said to him, I know what you mean. Because if you see some of my pictures back there, I had hair.
2: Well, Pastor, I think I started losing my hair when I was running a youth group. And Loretta and Missy and Donnie and Tim were all in the youth group with
1: me. And working with the youth is another one way of people losing their hair. Absolutely. Share a moment.
2: Thank you, Pastor. It's a blessing to be here this morning. Uh, for those that don't know me, I'm Mark Henderson. The first time I walked up those steps was September the 3rd, 1974. I know because I looked it up on the calendar. Thank God for Google. And I came, and I just happened to have a Royal Ranger T-shirt with me. I was invited to come here for Royal Rangers. At, I was six years old, a couple weeks from my seventh birthday, and they told me to come on. And the church pastor, except for a few cosmetic things and the organ not being there and a lot of people missing. Brother and Sister Tussie not here. The Ernest is not here. Uh, the Mosleys. The Boscos. Some of the... Sister Hattie. Anybody who knew Hattie Green knows Aunt Hattie loved all she's of here. us. She's here.
1: She's here. She's not here, here. She's not here physically,
2: but here. she's here in spirit. And we all love Hattie. <laughs> she is, Sister Irene. Sister Irene was here back then. But I was sharing with Pastor on Thursday... How I remember coming through that door, going down into the basement, and being introduced to the Royal Rangers. And that ministry has changed my life and has saved my life. In the Children's Church, right under this platform, I accepted Jesus as my Savior. Timmy Travis. Some of y'all remember Timmy. Uh, he was a teenager. He's now a staff pastor at the Father's House in Leesburg, Florida. He's still pastoring. Was the one teaching, his teacher on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I can still remember that day. A few months later, I, maybe a year later, I was eight years old, and right there at that altar, on that side. I'll never forget the night. It was a Sunday night. Pastor Travis, Brother Mosley, John Ernest, Danny Ernest were up here praying with me, and I really see the fullness of this Holy Spirit right there at that spot. And I'll tell you, the same Holy Spirit that was here that night amen. is here today. Amen. I've been teaching. For those who don't know, I'm a bivocational pastor, staff pastor. I work with the children's ministry in our church. And I've been teaching a serious pastor. If you look in your English translation of the Bible, all except for the message Bible, I found out, the first word in Genesis 1:1 is in. If you go to Revelation 22:21, 21 the last word is amen. And I've been teaching the kids that from in to amen, God has a plan. And my life is a testimony of the plan that God had for this church back 93 years ago. Because back in the 40s, in the 50s, my great-grandmother, Kate Henderson, and my grandmother on my mother's side, Alice Weitzel, were in the church on Grant Street praying for their families. Little did they know that their grandchildren would start coming on the bus. Yeah, we were the bus kids. Yeah, try, try. Aunt Geneva remembers, she had me in Sunday school. And between me and Al and Donnie and some of the other boys here, she had her hands full. <laughs> yeah, I was one of those. Some of you all remember. But God had a plan. My parents ended up coming. My dad ended up serving as a deacon in his church. From that Royal Ranger outpost, I know of three pastors that have come out of that outpost. Myself, my brother Tim, that many of you know, and Tim Travis have all come out of that outpost. I want to thank this church and those that were here for pouring into me and pouring into my family. Because I've had the opportunity to preach in many places around this country and even overseas in the Bahamas. You don't know which one of these little ones God's going to call next. You know, Pastor, you you teased me the other day, and you said the reason people don't get out of children's ministry is because they refuse to grow up. Mm -hmm. That is true. But I'll tell you, the reason I stay in children's ministry and working with young people is because not only was I called to that, but when you reach a child, you reach them for their whole life. When you reach an adult, you get about half of it. And children, even Jesus says, suffer little children to come unto me for of such is the kingdom of God. This church has been an integral part. We, we sang about the foundation that we have, and that was so fitting because this is the cornerstone of my foundation of my relationship with God. Mm-hmm. This is where I met him. You know, this is where I experienced the fullness of the Holy Spirit at eight years old. This is the church that taught me some of the principles that I, I've taught for the last 30-plus years. And I even get to teach it to inmates inside of a state prison in Georgia because I teach inside of prison to pay my bills. So things that Geneva, things that you taught me in Sunday school and others here in this church, I'm sharing with serial killers and mass murderers and people you don't want to talk about. But they're hearing the gospel of Jesus because people invested here at Salem Assembly. Amen. So, Pastor, my prayer for this church and for you, come on, brother, I want to pray over you. Hey, take it on. Father, I pray for Pastor Corkle. I pray for a fresh anointing. Mm. Holy Spirit just filling, mm. like he's never been filled before. Let it overflow. Yes. Father, as we read in the Bible, when they anointed the priest, they took a ram's horn of oil and they poured it over their head and mm. it ran down their face, yes. down their beard, down their garments and onto the ground. Mm. Holy Spirit pour out on my brother yes. like that this morning. Yes. Holy yes. Spirit just set a fire in this place like yes. it's never been before. You Holy Spirit, come in as they finish this Acts chapter two journey. God, you had a plan way back in, in the very beginning, when it was on Walnut Street to Grand Street to here, Mm. and I know your plan is still in effect. Yes, because, like you told me about a year ago, you didn't have a plan; you still have a plan. Yes. So, Father, I just praise you for this church, for Mm. the people here, Mm. and I praise you for the things that are going to happen and that are yet to come because of this outreach, because of this ministry, and because of the work of the people here in Salem. And we give you all the glory in your name. Amen.
1: Amen. (laughs) Praise the Lord. So many people that were picked up on bus are still serving the Lord. And I, I tell you, and you hear me say so often, and that is, adopt a kid. Get in their lives. Don't just leave your life and just like, oh, my, I got the shirt, wore it out, you know. Make a difference because every kid needs a spiritual dad, a spiritual mom, a spiritual grandfather, grandmother. And when you can just love on them, another one, an extension, my word, it can make such a huge difference. So thanks so much, Mark. And uh, uh, when Mark came up to me and he told me his last name, I automatically knew he was a Henderson because he reminded me so much. I can see Tim and you. Who's older? He is. Yeah, I'll, I can see Tim and you. You know, you—if you were you older—I say Tim is, you know. But yeah, I can see your brother and you and stuff like this. And I look at your dad, Walt. Thank you for serving so much as a deacon in this place and and the process there and working on the Royal Ranger ministry there that you did and stuff. You did a lot to, uh, your heart was here when you were here as well, and so thank you for serving the Lord immensely. It makes a difference. It really does. Let's give God some praise in the house, can we? At this time, Rhett's going to come, and she's going to read a brief annotated um, process. My philosophy is very simple. If you see a turtle on a fence post, he never got there by himself. When we accomplish great things, it's a we. Someone say we. we. You're all French. <laughs> we, we, we. Not I, I, I. It's a we, we, we. And if you put your hands together and allow God to use you for where, what you have and be part of it, God can do some great things with you immensely. But you have to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer. This is a little bit of many people who have brought us to this point in time. All this took people that built it. The church before, they built it. It just, it takes work, it takes prayer. And just listen to where God has brought us to this point. It's brief.
3: All right, our history starts with God working in the hearts of two men to establish a church in this community. Frank Facemeyer and Benjamin Shepard were used by God in a mighty way. In 1915, Ben Shepard and Frank Facemeyer had been regularly traveling for many years to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, attending Highway Tabernacle Assembly of God. Today, it is called Highway Mission Tabernacle AG. The trip began to get wearisome, and they started to have Bible studies in Mr. and Mrs. Benjamin Shepherd's home and quickly grew out of that space. They formed a church in the Old Green's Carriage House on Grant Street near the railroad station. When this church was first established, it was called Salem Pentecostal Church. They were there from 1928 to 1938. The Great Depression started in October, 1929. Even through hard times, the church grew in strength and God was glorified. After 10 years, the Old Green's Carriage House went up for sale. Our church was given the opportunity to buy it, but they declined because they thought it would be wiser to build a church on a piece of land on Grant Street that they had previously purchased. On January 28, 1930, the Salem Pentecostal Church was set in order by Reverend Joseph Tunmore, the district superintendent of the Assemblies of God and was now called First Assembly of God. Reverend Philip brauchler was the first pastor. The church was completed during Reverend Carnes' pastorate. A new building on grant street was completed in 1938 in 1937 28 members of the salem church formed the beginning of the pennsville assembly of god on january 24, 1943 reverend cope budge and congregation had witnessed the burning of the mortgage to the grant street church in april 1946 reverend a.d skymer became pastor the parsonage at 278 grant street was also purchased in october 1949 reverend parker hayes was called to salem In 1949, several former Salem members helped form the Pensgrove Assembly of God. Reverend Philip Bernard came to Salem in 1953. In 1955, Reverend Harry Call became pastor of the church. A new parsonage was built next to the church on Grant Street. In March 1958 through March 1965, Pastor Robert Lundstrom was pastor. Under the leadership of a new church on 430, Route 45 Woodstown Road, which is our current location. In 1963, the church moved into into this new church. From this Salem First Assembly of God Church, Carneys Point, Woodstown, and Pennsville Assemblies of God Churches were birthed and had their beginnings and flourished. In April 1965, Reverend Oliver Daliba assumed the pastorate. Pastor Daliba left the pastorate of First Assembly, To assume his new position as the New Jersey District AG Secretary and Sunday School Director. In July of 1968, Pastor Harold Beasley Sr. assumed the pastorate. Sadly, his daughter was killed in a car accident one month after he arrived here in Salem. With God's help, he and his dedicated wife carried out God's work here in Salem most nobly for years. In September of 1972, Reverend James Travis became pastor. Some challenging times came to the church body and Pastor Travis chose to leave First Assembly to Pastor Faith Christian Fellowship. In 1978 to 1980, Pastor Robert Lundstrom returned to pastorate a second time to help reunify the body of Christ. In 1980 through 1990, Pastor Thomas Twig assumed the pastorate at First Assembly. During that time, Faith Christian Fellowship Church merged back together with First Assembly. Pastor Twig was senior pastor and Pastor James Travis became assistant pastor. In May of 1990, Pastor Bertram Flagstead became pastor of First Assembly through 1990 to 2001. On November 6, 2001, Pastor Brian D. Corkum came to First Assembly of God Church. Thus far, we have had 18 Assembly of God pastors at Salem First Assembly. God has prospered us under each of their leadership and direction. Each pastor has left us truly blessed not only with material things, but we have grown spiritually through the teaching and preaching of the word. We have had our ups and downs, but God has been faithful. The people who established this church and many other members have graduated to their eternal reward. We must continue the work God has started by faithful people. We who remain have been called to carry the gospel across the street and across the seas. Let us be just as committed as those who have gone before us, who were willing to give of themselves, Sacrifice for the sake of the kingdom work and serve Christ by serving his church and the people in our world and community Until we see him face to face. Amen, Amen. Thank you.
1: It's amazing how many people together can do so much over the process of time even while the church was coming out of the depression they were still planting churches three churches birthed from here we need to get in a mind frame of doing the same and not stopping we've done two churches in India and that's great three actually in in another country that's great but we got to remember home as well and that that's a strength and America today other countries are sending missionaries to America it's amazing it's almost sad very sad We're gonna take a moment to um, go into those who have passed in the last year. And if I forget anyone, please forgive me. It's been a lot going on. It is saddens me to know that our dear friend, our dear pastor, Pastor Flagstead, his funeral will be this Friday. I mean, uh, yeah. Let's thank you so much. I got Thursday, I got Friday, I got Saturday, and I got Sunday, all different services. Um, So this Friday, and so please keep the family and for Tim, of course, his dad, um, you know, it's been a journey, but what a dear man, what a dear pastor, what a dear friend. Let's take a moment. Father, as we Think about all that you have done we want to say thank you and Lord as we think of all that you have done and the privileges and the blessings and the comforts let us not settle in that but Lord let us truly recognize that you left all eternity for the sake of one seek and save that which was lost Father, I pray that by the Holy Spirit you would give us such a burden for the lost, for the ones that do not know. And so, Father, thank you for those, the crowd of witnesses. Now, Lord, may we be faithful on our watch as we put our hands to the plow, as we continue to believe you for great things. We ask this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. That being said, I'm gonna always encourage you as I'm continuing to encourage you, and we're gonna give you option in the very near future. Take your hands, put it to the plow, and let's do something for the God that you so love, because one day you shall see him face to face. Time is a gift, but you tell time what you're gonna do. Time does not tell you what you're gonna do. Look at your neighbor and say, that's good stuff right there. I want to take a moment here to remember those that have gone on that were associated with our church as well as members of our church. We have Patricia Hogg that was once participated but also very dear to Crystal. We have Frank Ernest that was very involved in here and then left for for many, many years. Peggy is not here today, Near is his um, son, but that being said, um, just remember Frank and Larry continue to pray for Barbara Um, but we remember Larry powers the smile Larry had and um, and Dolores Flagstead she actually died on Christmas Day and so much loved her Lord and Savior and that piano was purchased for her to play and could she play amen I would just have you know. You know, I let her play even when she wouldn't stop, because <laughs> I loved her, and she loved to play, and she could play it so well. And of course, Pastor Bert Flagsted, Bertrand, um, as he is now in the presence of the Lord, something that he's been wanting now for uh, for a long time. I also want you to remember Pat Woobie, Her son passed away suddenly. Greg, and um, if you could give her a call, um, she's not here today because she's, it's, it's been, it just happened a couple days ago, it was sudden and unexpected, so if you could remember Pat Warbur and give her a call, give her a card, let her know she's loved and she's cared about. What is so good about the story is that he just recently accepted the Lord before he passed and that has been a tremendous comfort to her. So praise the Lord, amen. God works, God is faithful, Pat is faithful servant. So just continue to help her during her struggling time. Let's take a moment, let's join together to remember those of the past that made a difference. Let's remember those that are no longer with us, but that we take up their torch while it is still day. Father, I pray that you minister to every family every situation. I pray your strength, your peace, your help upon each one. Lord, as many a graduate, Lord, may you help us work while it is day and to truly lift up your word to do your works, to worship you in spirit and truth, continue to wrap your arms around the family and those friends near, near to each one. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can you give God some praise? We're going to worship the Lord. So if I could have uh, the ladies that are going to take up the offering today, um, we're going to worship the Lord in our giving and our living. And so for those who are new, uh, we do something a little different here. Um, We take the offering. We do not pray over an empty plate. If we're going to take an offering before the Lord, we're going to have something in our hands that we're going to give to God. Now, this is just a thought that I just had yesterday morning in prayer. I thought I'd give it unto you. The church is 93. If you want to give a sacrificial love offering of $93, have you ever gone to a, have you ever got to a party? Right? 16. And I said, you know what, Lord? You know, I get at Christmas time, I get really upset because everybody remembers everybody at Christmas. But it, whose birthday is it? So in my life, Jesus gets the best gift every Christmas. So if I bought someone a car for Christmas and it cost me $10,000, I got a little bit, right? But, but I bought, if I buy a car for someone, then guess what? I'm gonna, if I buy some gift for Christmas and it's costly, God's going to get more than that. It's his birthday, amen? I want us all to put God first in whatever we do. We think so much this way, but we really need to go this way. Because if we get this right, this way is gonna fall into suit. Really. So this is what we're gonna do. Here we take up the offer in the back, and then we're gonna give God our tithe, our missions. We support 52 missionaries every single month. And so we're gonna lift that to the Lord. If If you haven't paid your missions, please do that. Please do not do anything until you pay your tithe, then your missions, and then your love gifts. That's, that's the order. So, if you like to do a $93 for a 93 years, that's something between you and the Lord. I just had that thought. I thought it would be a great idea just to bless the Lord and just to say, hey, you know, investing in the kingdom. So, as you it, look wonderful. How many look, feel, feel like, uh, how many would say you feel wonderful? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you say, someone next to me is wonderful? Raise your hand. (laughs) Look at someone and say you're just wonderful. God is good. Well, as you know, we are in the Who's Your One series. And I pray that if you haven't yet dropped in the name of one that you think is very special to you and that you really want them to come to a full understanding of who Jesus is, There's some fish out in the foyer. The fish are out of water, and they need to find the bowl, And that's so important. So far, we've talked about the rapture. We laid some foundations before the the series, talked about the rapture, because one day, one day, it's going to happen. In a twinkling of an eye, we're going to be gone. And we had Fisherman Joe here. And what happened to Fisherman Joe? He left. He left, but quick. There you saw him all in his fishing gear and boom, gone, just disappeared. Well, that's what's going to happen to you. The only thing that's going to be left behind is what you're wearing. The rapture is going to take place. And then we built another brick that's saying that we have to be mission-minded. That means you have to be focusing on God's mission of what God has you here. Look at your neighbor and tell him, God has you here for a purpose. Tell him. So once we understand that there is a rapture going to be taking place, God's coming back for his bride. We have to realize that while that happens, we need to be mission-minded. And then we ask our question, who is your one? And the title of that first message was simply Be the Difference. It'd be the difference like Andrew was to Peter. He went and heard that this is the Messiah, and right away he went to go tell someone he loved. He went to go tell Peter, listen, I found the one we've been looking for. God's asking you to be the one. We need to step up. And then we did part two, talk about destination, eternity. That the next step for all of us is eternity. We're going to spend eternity somewhere, amen? And where we spend it is all about you, not about God. God's provision is made. Your decisions will determine what happens in eternity for you. Either it's going to be heaven or it's going to be hell. But let me tell you, God has made hell. God never made hell for you and I. It was for the fallen angels. However, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come to earth. He provided a way. So no one needs to go there. And why would anybody want to go there? Why does anybody say no to love, peace, grace, forgiveness, long-suffering? I don't know. I don't know. But the relationship with God, the one who created things, loves you so much. And so he had some blocks. So today I want to talk to you about who will you carry? Who will you carry? This is important. Who will you carry? Can I have my PowerPoint, please? Right. I love the thumbs up. Who will you carry? That's a question. Some of you put names down in here of a person that's upon your heart that you want to see them come to the full, full knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. I want you to know that we have to live making a difference. If we don't, why are we here? Is it all about us? I've been with millionaires that have everything you can think of. I've been in houses so big you get tired walking in them because it's such a distance to get to places. I've been outside their house as big as it is and their spare house for their guests is bigger than probably any of your houses here today. I actually thought when I was at, actually at his house, I said, I felt part of them. I felt like I was part of the mafia because it just was amazing. It was like, you know, I was, he just, it was all top end. That being the case, that being the case, it doesn't matter how much you have, it's what you do with what you have. It's not how long you live, it's what you do with the amount of days that you live. That's your choice. He you can't blame that on anybody else. So I'm going to challenge you to ask yourself, who will you carry? Not expect everybody else to carry, but who are you going to carry? Listen to this. This is a powerful quote. Tell me who you love, and I will tell you who you are. That's powerful for a second. Tell me what you love, and, I'll, and I will tell you who you are, because what you love is what you do. Tell me what you love, and I will tell you what you'll become. Because when you love something more than anything else, you'll become what you love. You've got to remember something. The heart of the matter is a matter of the heart, and that's what we're going to be talking about. It's important. Now, how many of you right now think this, answer this question in mind, how many people are close to you? How many people in your life that you are close to? Let me define close. Close is when you can share your heart with. You can share your pain. You can share your anguish. You can share your joy. And you can share your disappointments. And there, and that's where it stays. You don't have to worry about them. They don't judge you because you're having a bad day. I'm sometimes with people and stuff going through some major tragedy. Someone's just lost, you know, a tragic in their life. And they're just like, Pastor, I hate God. You know what I say? Okay. Because right now, they're not, they're in pain. I don't, I know, I don't, I, that's okay for a person to say things. You don't take that. You know, you ever hear a kid one day, I hate you, mom. Huh? I hate you, dad. How many times kids say the hardest things sometimes? Do they mean it? No. Do you hold it against them? No. They're in pain. And when people are in pain, they sometimes say things. That is the pain that's speaking. And that's how how many people you can sometimes vent and just kind of be real with. You see, in relationships, when people love you, they will go the extra mile. And love in a relationship means that you have to do your part in that relationship. Amen? People want great relationships, but they don't want to put the time in in the relationship to be great get this, we want great relationships but we don't want to put the time in to have a great relationship, great relationships takes intentionality, someone say intentionality, you have to be intentional, if you want to be friendly and you walk in you say hello, how are you, it's not a big deal to say hello to someone, hello good morning, how are you, how are you having a good day, no I'm sorry to hear that, what's happening it's not big you don't have to answer and have all the answers. Hello. You just have to care about them. Is that not right? They just sometimes people just need an ear, just a vent. And you say, OK, when you go to a cashier, have you ever talked to the cashier and the most miserable cashier you've ever you ever gone through? And you're like, holy smoke, can't wait to leave this one. But I don't just leave it that way because I can't. So what do I do? Most of you wouldn't do this, but that's OK. You're not me. I ask questions so why is your day so bad why do you hate your job because if you hate your job maybe you shouldn't be doing it if I hated my job I wouldn't do it I love my job because it's not a job it's my life it's who I am I don't need this church to be who I am I could stand on a corner and be just as happy really I'm gonna take Jesus everywhere I go no matter where I go because that's what I'm called to do I don't need this place to, I just, I am who I am wherever I go. Is that not true? Because that's who we're supposed to be. I'll have a pulpit wherever I am. I stood on the restaurant table last week and they kicked me. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) But we have to realize relationships are important. Let me tell you a true story that moved me many years ago. And I often use it to to fulfill a point. The man's name was Charles Plum. He was a US naval jet pilot during the War of Vietnam. He flew 75 missions. And on the last mission he flew, his plane was shot down by surface-to-air missiles. Plum ejected from his plane, used his parachute. However, he parachuted right into enemy territory. He ended up spending six years in the uh, communist Vietnamese concentration camp. One day, Plum was with his wife, many years afterwards, with his wife, sitting at a table, and this man came up to him, and out of the blue, says, you're Plum, and you flew for Vietnam, in Vietnam, and you were on the aircraft carrier Kitty Hawk, and Plum was just blown out of water. He's like, how do you know that? The man said, I packed your parachute. And then the man said, "Did it? I guess it worked. And Plum said, well, if it didn't work, I wouldn't be here. They had some nice conversation, and then Plum went home, and then he started to think a little bit. He started to think, what did that guy look like in his uniform? Plum was a pilot. He was one that take care of the parachutes. They kind of like didn't talk with each other. They were like different, separated, you could say. And Plum started to think, you know, I wonder if I was ever kind to him. I wonder if I ever crossed his path not knowing that he would actually pass, he would pack the parachute that would actually save my life, that gave me an opportunity to have my family in. He says, he started to think, he says, you know what, I realize that we can go through life not really thanking people because there are people in our lives that done things and yet we may not know their name. Plum really... Th- started to think this through. And I don't know, maybe we should think a little bit of how many people have come into your life that actually have done something good for you, but maybe you even haven't didn't even say thank you. Because we often want more than we think. We're not really thankful. We're more like, what have you done for me lately? And the amount of gratitude that we have detem- determines on what have I what, done for me lately. It makes me think, and I hope it makes you think, but... How often in our lives are we thankful to God, or are we unappreciated for the breath he gives us, the roof over our head, the food on our plate? If we went through a famine, and that's not totally out of the picture as food shortages continue to be uh, short and increasing. When we have, when you don't have food, if you remember going through, if you some of you have remembered those or yourself went through the depression or your parents went through the depression and how it was tough. I remember my father telling me all they had was bread and um, that milk in a can. Uh, anybody remember the name of it? Uh, yeah. And, uh, and so they would put it over the bread and that was Supper. It, it, I just want to let you know. And if that's all you had, would you be thankful for that? But see, we're in abundance sometimes. In abundance, we are not very thankful sometimes. What we do, we most of the time complain. And I'm going to tell you a Bible truth today that really has rocked my life. But when I think about this story, I often think, whose parachute are you packing today? Who are you interested that they themselves come to and understand that you're doing something maybe behind the scenes whose life are you invested in who do you want to see to come to the to grow and and rebuild in their relationship with the lord but the question is what are you doing about it it's nice to have a warm fuzzy thought but what are you doing in action love has to be seen love is not a word love is a verb it's a demonstration if you say you love God, then is that to be a demonstration to God that you love Him? If someone said, "Hey, I love you," but you didn't see no demonstration in that love, would that person believe that you're loved? Most likely not? Because love is done with demonstration. God so loved the world that He what. He gave. He stretched out his arms and he died, and he said, "I love you this much that I am willing to die for you." So let's take a journey here. And let's find ourselves today in Mark chapter 2. And listen, I just want you to know, you're going to be very happy to hear this, that my notes are only at 103 pages. (laughs) And I knew that we'd be doing a lot today, and I thought, these people are going to want to really get into God's Word. We're going to parse every word. We're going to get into the historical of every single word in the next 12 verses. Aren't you glad? Huh? You ready? Okay, I heard two amens, so that's enough for me to go. Let's read. Verse 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered there, uh, many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. So here's Jesus, most most likely he's at Peter's house, he's coming home to Capernaum, he would normally do that, it seems like where the scripture seems to teach us, he normally do that for times of rest, and he would go to certain places for rest, Lazarus house was another place that he would go for place of rest, and when he's here, right this time at Peter's house, he's resting, everybody hears, hey, Jesus is over there. Well, everybody wants something from Jesus because Jesus was always saying something or doing something that attracted people. And so there he is. He's at Peter's home. There's no room. He's proclaiming the word to the people, and Jesus is preaching. Look here. In verse 3, they made a decision. This is the, t- uh, this is the point I want. They made a decision to do something. Someone say decision. It's decision time. As we talk about who's your one, it's decision time. Verse 3, some of the men came bringing him a paralytic carried by four of them. They were four men who carried this paralytic, and they carried him to Jesus. This is important. You see, we don't know these guys' names. All we know is that these four guys brought this paralytic to Jesus, and they brought the paralytic to Jesus because they felt that's his only hope. And so these individuals carried him to Jesus. But we don't know their names. But we know what they did. But you know what? We do know this. We do know this. These men cared for this man. (laughs) That was great. We know they were willing to sacrifice. Get this. They cared for the man, and they were willing to sacrifice we know that they believed that if I could only get our friend, our family member, whoever it was, to Jesus, he would be healed. We know that this paralytic could not come to Jesus unless somebody brought him to Jesus. You get this now? You, know, you see where I'm going with this? Yeah. I want you to know that these men, these, these four men who carried this person who was a paralytic on a mat brought him... And was willing to do all that because of L-O-V-E. When you love someone, you'll move mountains for them. But when you really say you love them, but don't want to even get dirty because of the mountain dirt, it speaks volumes. Someone say amen. amen. See, it's not just enough to say you love, because anybody can say love. It's just a word. So when we use words so loosely, I don't use the word love loosely. You'll probably never hear me say I love you unless I mean I I, I love you. I don't use love loosely. Because love is too much of a. If I say I love you, then I better demonstrate actions that show that. It's important. I want you to get this, that Luke 19.10 is a powerful scripture, that Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. You were once lost. Do you know that? You are far from God, that if you died in your sins, you would have been separated from God because you had not been cleansed by his blood. But thank be to God, amen, that he came into your story. Thank be to God that no matter how bad of a rascal you were, he came he stepped in. Maybe he stepped in when no one else wanted to step into your life, and he cared for you because he loved you. While you were lost, he left all of heaven for you, and if he could do that for you, what can you do for him if he's willing to love you like that? That's why my life was rocked. Because love does, and because Jesus did, transforms everything. It's a relationship, but here's the problem. Most of us don't know what love really is because we live in such a broken world, and all it's more of a word to us than it is a demonstration of how we live. But if you connect yourself to God and you get into his word, God will teach you a love that only he can teach you you will see his demonstration, you will see his love, you will see his outpouring hand reaching around you every single day as you start to nurture yourself in his word, the refreshing word of God. That's what God will do. Look at Philippians 2, one of my life verses, three and four says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, there's a powerful word, Don't care who you are. Humility is where real strength happens. Consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. This is why it makes these four guys so special. They weren't thinking about themselves. Oh, I'd love to help you, but I got things to do. I know you're in need, but hey, I can't do it right now. Because usually we're learn, we live on our own schedule. We do things because, well, I, I can fit them in. Yeah, I can make it to church today. Um, I, got, I got time. People tell this pastor, which you ought not to. People tell this pastor. Pastor, I, I, I'm sorry, but I can't come to church. I don't have time to do it. I got to do. And, I, and I'm like, from a guy who almost checked out quite a few times. Your time has been given because God has graced you with every breath. And the scripture says the only thing you own is the breath within your nostrils. So why don't we live it for him and put him first on our calendar, first on our hearts, first in our minds, and make him first? Because if we love, we put the ones we love first, don't we? Hello. What you believe is one thing. How you live is another. Our belief must show others the directions of the cross. People should see what you live, love simply by looking at your life. If your friend who's close to you If they really know you, they can tell you what you love simply by looking at your life. And you should ask those close to you, say, hey, can I ask you a question? What are the things I love? And see if God is a priority in that description. Just an evaluation, a way to evaluation. So first of all, these four four people, they made a decision. Someone say, made a decision. Now, look what happens next. Second, they were determined for their friend to see Jesus. This is huge. If you want to help your family, help your friends, help your loved ones, help those you care about, you have to make the decisions, and you need to be determined in getting it done. You can't like, well, maybe, Mm, maybe, maybe I'll help you. Look what it says. Verse 4, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd they made an opening in the roof above Jesus and after digging through it lord the man the lord the mat the paralyzed man was lying on i love this part i love this part i'll tell you why in a, in a little bit but in this point right now these friends are determined they're determined to go against the odds how many of you have had the odds against you Come on, you had the odds against you. Yeah, sometimes when you have the odds against you, when you have situations over here, circumstances over here, you're like, God, I, I just don't know. I don't know. You know, your God is the God of the odd breaker. I have seen it over and over again. But I am so thankful that we can learn a lesson that these men did not quit. They could have said to their buddy, their family member, hey, bud, man, I'm so sorry, but we almost made it. I mean, we got here. We got there's no way to get in. No, they were not allowing that. I love when I see tenacity of people when they don't quit. Because if you don't quit, you'll win. Because winners never quit. Winners never quit. And quit is never win. You gotta get this. Anybody can quit when it's tough. Anybody can quit when it's hard, and you got a real problem. You just travel all this way, you get to it, and you get a, a disappointment. You got you got a real real down right now. You are so excited, and then all the excitement goes out the windows. But they didn't see it that way, did they? No, they didn't. They thought, thought about what can we do? What can we do? Because obstacles are the things you see when you get your eyes off your God, who's big. I'm gonna say that again. Obstacles are the things you see when you get your eyes off of the God who's big. Ah, oh, we can't. But they didn't say that to him. They got together, and before you know it, they faced their dilemma, and they said, what are we going to do? <laughs> Just like Elijah, when God told him to go to Mount Carmel on Kings 18, looked terrible, what a dilemma there, all these people, but then he, 63 words, 62, 63 words, he prays, And all of a sudden, everything changed. The God of the odd odd breaker. How about Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego? What a dilemma. You either worship or you die. But that words they say, our God's more than able to take you out of the hands, O king. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to worship. But when they were thrown into the pit, how many know that Jesus, the fourth man, is in the fire? And if he's in the fire, he's with you, and he's with you. You're gonna be okay. Look at your neighbor. And say you're gonna be okay. How about Moses against the Red Sea? You want to talk about a dilemma? Guys like Moses, what are you doing? Go raise your stick up. We're gonna part the sea. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. How about the woman that had 12 years of a blood issue? What a dilemma. But all in her mind, if I could just get to Jesus, if I get she didn't just quit, she pushed it through. She pressed through the mess. And as she pushed people aside and pushed it, and she only could get to the helm of the garment, the finished work of that garment, and God healed her, felt the virtue come out of here. What happened? Why? She didn't quit. So many times people just rather say, "I'm just going to quit." when they quit they miss what God's goodness and greatness can do in it and through it someone say amen or I'll say it ten times Uh, it just makes my liver quiver look at this number three Jesus was delighted to see their faith this is the part that I love when Jesus saw their faith they're breaking through the ceiling He said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Get this, get this. I don't know what Peter was saying. You know what I mean? Like, hey, that's my roof, Lord. Uh, I know you're happy about this. You're, you're, You're really delighted. You're seeing this great faith. I'm really happy for you, Lord, but that's my roof. But nevertheless, when Jesus saw their action, Jesus was moved. It can teach us something, saints. When Jesus sees our actions of love, we can bring delight to God. You ever think about that? Every day of my life, I wake up this way, I talk to the Lord, I always talk to him before I get out of bed, and I always ask him, say, God, help me to make you smile today. I want to bring delight to you. That's a constant prayer. Do I always do it? Probably not. But that's my heart intention, is to always be a delight before the Father, before my Lord. It's important Faith on his God and God on his faith. He sees these men. He sees their actions. He sees their love. And right away, he doesn't even know the situation. He kind of knows the situation, but nothing's been said. And he speaks healing, spiritual healing over the man. But we have a problem. Religious leaders were distracted. They were distracted by what he said, not by who he was, by his authority, so, Jesus has to prove and show them the, his authority. He says, Well, I see that you're not going to believe what I'm saying. Look at verse 6 and 7 says, Now, some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, God hears what you say to yourself. Why does this fellow talk like this, like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? See, they're so distracted by what he said, they're missing who Jesus is, totally missing who Jesus is. Who does this guy think he is? That's what they're really saying. And Jesus knew their hearts. Why are you thinking this? Look what it says. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier? I like this part. Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and take your mat and walk? So that you may know that the Son of Man has the ability, has the authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out full view of them all. This amazed everyone and everyone was praising God, saying, "We've never seen anything like this before. We're amazed. This is your God. Hello, can you give God some praise in the house of the Lord? This is your God. God's still in the work and make a miracle work in business. I don't care what situation, what circumstance you have. God is over it all. You need to put your word, put your heart on the words of God and stop believing it, because the question of authority Jesus answered. What's easier said the, per, uh, per, the, the, healed, the, the say the prayer like, be forgiven or take up thy mat and walk." I love that, so that you may know that you may know the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. I tell you, take up your mat and walk home. Go home. God is powerful. God's on your side. That would never happen if it wasn't for these four people who loved God. Through their actions. Someone say love through actions. We got to get this in the heart saints. Love is not loving God when you feel like it, loving through actions. Let's call, let's land the let's land the um, the plane. What can then, what can we learn from the text? The paralytic man would have never met Jesus if it wasn't for his four friends. You have family members, you have loved ones. They need someone to help them. They need someone to help them. This paralytic would have never come to Jesus without his friends. Someone may not come to Jesus without you. You're the only Bible they may read. How about this one? What can we learn from this text? These four men made a decision, That's with a decision, to help the one they loved and they cared about. A lot of people say, I, I really care for that person. We have empathy, we feel for people. But do we do something with it? Say, we don't want to always do something. Well, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Can I relieve you? Sometimes there are no words. Have it. No words is okay. Just be with somebody who's in pain. That's okay. Just be there and let them know you care for them. That's probably one. of The, the gift of presence is one that you can't put a word on. But they made a decision to help them. And we need to make a decision. That's the first step to see what God will do. What can we learn from this text? These men were determined to carry their friend so they could encounter Jesus. They were determined. They went beyond the dilemma. They went beyond the obstacle. They did not quit. Don't quit. What can we learn from this text? These men didn't just give up when they faced the dilemma, but they found where there seems to be no way away. They looked for what they needed to do. They put a hole and brought Jesus down. If you want to be, if you want Jesus to be delighted, and I pray you do, then you have to have acts of faith, but you have to, with that love, you have to do something with it. James 2.17, faith itself is not accompanied with, uh, with action, is dead. Faith without works is dead. God wants you and I to be the same things that these men were for this person. Somebody was brought to Jesus because they carried him. I want you to get this. They carried him. We don't know how long they carried, but while they walked in their sandals, there was rocks, there probably was hills, there was dirt. He gets heavy over a process of time. There's a journey when you carry somebody. Sometimes we want people to get to their destination, but we don't want to carry them there because it takes work. Let's change the way we think so we can change what we do. Let's be what Jesus calls us to be. As you think about all that God has done in these 93 years, God's not done yet. God wants to do so much more, but he wants to do it. Here it goes now, through you. Isn't that good to know? Can you stand to your feet? Those watching online, if you've never experienced Jesus as your Savior, you can. Those here, if Jesus is not your Savior, he wants you to be. And it's very simple. It's putting Jesus first. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Invite him to come into your heart. And just tell the Lord, Lord, I've sinned, I've done wrong. But this day, I choose, I choose to make Jesus my Savior. I choose, knowing that you died for me. He stretched out his arms and he says, I love you this much. This is the most important thing in all. Let's just pray. Father, we just ask right now that you would touch each one here, I pray, each one online as they continue to seek you. Father, we ask right now, move upon their hearts. And I pray also that each one here and those watching would understand the importance of being the one that carries others to you. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we give God some praise? While
2: well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in his church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website, at SalemFirstAG.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 10.30 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.